Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. We are also authors and invite you to check out our books, including my books, Potted and Pruned, Homegrown and Handpicked, and Seeded and Sodded, my trilogy of gardening humor. And my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide and No Fuss Down and Dirty Gardening 101 for anyone who wants to grow stuff. Is that a mouthful or what? You can ask for any of our books at your favorite bookstore or find them online wherever books are sold. And speaking of online, you can also find us as The Garden Angelist on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group, The Garden Angelist Garden Club. Now on to this week's episode. Hi, Dee. Hey, Carol. How's it going? It's all good. You have a new name, don't you? I do. I do. Okay. Is it Gigi or Grammy or Granny or Grandy or G? What you going to be called? Well, so far I'm called Gigi. We'll see what happens. I do not want to be Granny or Grammy. I mean, I'm not that old yet. When I'm 100, they can call me that. Oh, but anyway, we are thrilled to congratulate you and your daughter on the birth of your granddaughter, Madeline. Yes, and my son-in-law. They they are all very happy, and she has just taken over the world since she's been born. That's right. World domination. <laughs> By a little <laughs> tiny baby. <laughs> That's wonderful. Anyway, congratulations. Thank you. We're thrilled. Lots of love for Valentine's Day, and that's what we're going to talk about this week. Yes, we are going to talk about flowers, well, and veggies and all the best dirt. Do you want me to do the quote, or are you going to do it? Uh, You can do it. What a desolate place would be the world without flowers. It would be a face without a smile, a feast without a welcome. Clara Balfour. That's beautiful. It is beautiful, and... The number one holiday for flowers is coming up, Valentine's Day. Some people might actually listen to this after Valentine's Day. They might. They might listen to it afterwards. But you know what? I say just don't do one day for love. Love is so important. We should celebrate it every day. And we should always have flowers and surround ourselves with flowering plants whenever we can. That's right. Or heart-shaped plants. We've got some flowering plants and we've also got heart-shaped plants for Valentine's Day to give people some different ideas. I noticed that the houseplant people are pushing several heart-shaped plants this year. I get all of those emails and boy, I'm amazed at how many different ways you can say happy Valentine's now. You know, it used to be, it was all just red roses. Right. Oh, there's so much more than red roses. So the big one that everybody's going to see is the Hoya heart. Yes, the Hoya. There are different types of Hoyas. This one has heart-shaped leaves, and eventually it will make kind of a, not a vine, but you know how donkey's tail has that growth pattern where it just adds on, adds on, adds on? Well, the Hoya heart does too. But they sell them every year, this beautiful little succulent, as one single heart. And I, I fell for one, not the regular Hoya heart. No, no. I fell for the variegated one. It's out in my greenhouse just hanging out, and I'll take a picture of it. It's beautiful. And that's what this Hoya, which is Hoya Car- Carii, yes. is 
It's normally what you're buying when you buy that one heart in a pot. You're buying a cutting, which may or may not be barely rooted, but it is beautiful. It's inexpensive. It's Mm -hmm. simple. It's all the things that some people want Valentine's Day to be. So I say if you see one and you love it, buy it. The variegated one is especially pretty, and mine is actually rooted. I bought, just so people know, because I got a lot of questions about this after I showed a video of the greenhouse, that Hoya came from a place on Etsy, and if you just look up variegated Hoya on Etsy, you'll find it, and um, mine did come rooted. I would suggest that if you buy one, that you also try to get one that has a few roots on it, because... Otherwise, it's a succulent, and so you've got to make sure that that end is dry. It's a little complicated. Right. And so what I would do is um, don't do not do this if they're staring right at you. I would do it if they're staring right at you. Give that Hoya heart a little tug, mm-hmm. and if it, it might just pull right out. And if there's no roots on it, I would gently stick it back in and move on. I would But too. if it has a few roots or it doesn't pull out because it's pretty well-rooted, that's the one to buy. Yeah, I think so too. And then once it's rooted, the thing that'll kill a succulent faster than anything is overwatering it. Yes. So let it really dry out like an inch down into the soil dry before you water it. And then water it thoroughly and don't let it sit in water. Yeah, make sure it drains all the way through. Also, I would use cactus soil to plant it. Um, I think you'll have better luck. Mine was rooted in a piece of wood, actually. And so I left half of the piece of wood. I stuck it down in cactus soil. And it actually said in my instructions not to water it for five days. So I took them at their word, even though it was rooted. And I stuck it down in that cactus soil, which goes against everything we normally tell people about plants. But in this case, it's a succulent. So it's a whole different deal. I just stuck it down in there, waited five days, and then I watered it. And I haven't touched it since. So another succulent plant that you talked about was string of hearts, which I don't have this one. I actually don't have Hoya heart either. Um, but you have this one as well in a variegated form. I have it in the regular form, which kind of looks variegated anyway. And then I also have it in a truly variegated form. I love the one that is the, it's probably the species, which is, which is Serapagia wood eye, because it was found by a guy named, his last name was wood, I think. Um, It's beautiful. It makes a long vining plant. A lot of people call it rosary plant or string of hearts or string of um, rosary beads, which can get confused with string of pearls, a totally different succulent. But they are. They're little heart-shaped leaves. And in winter, in a greenhouse, they bloom. But, you know, normally they don't bloom. And you can grow them outside here in the summer, but you got to definitely overwinter them because they're you know, they're, they'll die. They are not hardy. The variegated form, I have had the variegated form for over a year, and I think it's put on two hearts on each string. It's slow. That is very slow. And I am impressed that you know how many hearts are on each string, D. that you would I, notice two new ones. <laughs> well, these strings are so small, so short. It's really easy, Carol. Don't, <laughs> no, no, no. The other one has really long strings. It's very beautiful. So let's move on to a couple of flowers beyond yeah. roses. So the big one is cyclamen are sold at this time of year. And they're beautiful. Plant. They are. And when I get those, they always look really good. Yeah. And then one day you look over and it's completely wilted and flat to the ground. <laughs> Mine's the just dried up to a crusty crunch. I cannot grow cyclamen in the house to save my life. So if I buy those, 
I know it's a death sentence for the cyclamen, but I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Right. And I, they don't last very long here either. I'll buy it. I'll enjoy it. It does tend to wilt. And sometimes if you water it, it'll perk back up. And sometimes, like you said, it crunches up and it's a goner. It's over. At my house, it's over. Another great plant to buy your beloved, whoever your beloved is, and it could be your children, your best friend, your spouse, your partner. It could be anybody that you care about. I think we should open up Valentine's Day to everyone we care about, not just romantic love. Um, orchids are, bla- are a blast. You can find them now pretty cheap. Um, unfortunately, at the nurseries, they're still really expensive. If I were a nursery owner, I would really try to get some better deals because I went to a nursery the other day, and I went to Trader Joe's both. At Trader Joe's, they were between twelve ninety nine and nineteen ninety nine. At my local nursery, they were thirty four dollars. Same yeah, plant. Yeah, there's quite a quite a difference in price place to place. You got to be careful. Yeah, I think you just need to do what's best for you. If you want a special color, you might want to buy it at the nursery. But orchids last a really long time, and then once they're finished. Um, I should do a video, Carol, on what to do to get them to rebloom. But basically, you can toss them if you want to into your compost pile. I hear everybody gasping now. But you can. You know, they're they're cheap. Um, I don't. I I over, well, it wouldn't be overwintering. It'd be just putting them out. I either put them out in the greenhouse or I put them in a sunny window. And then I just take care of them. It takes them about six months to bloom again. Well, and we're talking about primarily... Phalaenopsis orchids. Yeah, I have the other orchids too, one of the other varieties. But yes, I'm talking about Phalaenopsis. And the thing is that the ones that are like a weird color, like a bright blue or bright pink that look almost like they're dyed, they are are. indeed dyed. Don't buy them. (laughs) Yeah, don't buy them. You can find them in lots of different colors like yellows, dark purples, rusty colors, um, those with splotches, they do not need to be dyed. They use a water dye in their water. It's ugly, but you know. I have a good story about a Phalaenopsis orchid. Do you want to hear it? I do want to hear your story. So my former neighbor that I grew up with uh, was taking care of his mom at a retirement home. And they used to go and he would wheel her around just to get some quote unquote exercise and a change of scenery. And they would visit all the utility closets where people would throw their trash and they would pick up cans to donate to the church metal recycling. Right. But he, f- he found a Phalaenopsis orchid in the trash and he took it. Uh huh. And when he had to, when he finally moved back to New York, he gave it to me and it had two new flower stems on it. Right. And that was the most gorgeous white orchid I've ever seen. And it bloomed actually for Easter last year. Good timing. Of the orchid, right? Right. And guess what, Dee? What? It's got another flower stem on it. I just noticed it the other day. Yeah. And so you probably didn't, that's awesome. You probably didn't do anything special, but you kept it in a window, didn't you? Yes. So here's, here's, well, we might as well talk about it. Um, the way you get orchids to rebloom is really pretty easy, especially white ones. I find white ones are the easiest for me to rebloom. I don't know why, and they have great big blooms on them too. But what you do is you just stick them in a window, you water them when they need watering, wait for them to completely dry out. Remember the fact that they are plants that like to sit in the crooks of tree branches. So water just runs off their succulent roots. And so they don't like to be sitting in water. And the second thing is you want them to sit in that window because you need 10 degrees less at night 
to tell them to rebloom. So the same thing works in my greenhouse too. I sometimes do rebloom them in windows and sometimes I do it in the greenhouse because at night it gets cooler because it gets warmer during the day when all of the sun comes up and warms the inside and they rebloom and rebloom and rebloom. But for years I couldn't figure it out. And then our friend Fairgarden told me, oh, they just need 10 degrees less at night. And by golly, she's right. It's that easy. It is easy. And mine just is sitting in a west window. Is that west? Yeah, that's west. Mm -hmm. And so at night it gets cooler and the day it gets warmer and it is going to rebloom. It is, as long as you don't overwater it or forget to water it at all. And I don't even feed them sometimes. If I want to increase the bloom spikes, I might feed them um, a natural fertilizer. One of the ones we talked about in our last uh, podcast episode. Um, I have some right now that have decided to rebloom together. They're miniature Phalaenopsis orchids, and they've each got three stems, three bloom stems. On wow. Them. I'm impressed. That's, that's, that is very impressive. Yeah, they're just starting. So one last flower before we move on to veggies, and that would be uh, pink amaryllis or, or red. red amaryllis. Yes. You could actually, if you bought bulbs in December and they didn't bloom for Christmas, I think they're probably going to bloom for Valentine's Day. And in fact, I have two that I let go dormant in the fall like you should, and then they look like they're going to be blooming in about another week for Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's really hard to time them sometimes to bloom at December if you oversummer them. But um, I've got some that are on their third round of blooms. These were great bulbs I got this year. And um, they're blooming right now, and they're all red. I don't know what I was thinking. I bought almost all red amaryllis this year. And so they did bloom at Christmas, and it was really pretty. And I've shown some pictures of them on our Instagram, but I, I don't know why I got all red, because I love the pink ones, too, and the white ones. Make yourself buy pink next year. Maybe I should make a note on my phone for when I buy them in August. That's a good idea. Okay, are you ready to move on to veggies? We spent a lot of time on flowers today. We did, but you know it is Valentine's Day. Yes, let's move on to veggies. So I found this quote. Don't dig your grave with your own knife and fork. <laughs> An English proverb. Oh, I weighed this morning and I gained one more pound and I was like, really? <laughs> I, so, I so understand that quote. So we uh, February is also the month when they talk about heart health. Right. And we're red for women heart health, that uh, heart attacks and heart disease is a big killer of women, just like men. Right. But the reason we want to talk about it in the veggie segment is we're going to go right back to the vegetable garden where you can grow heart healthy veggies. I love that. I love how we can connect anything to gardening. That's right. So basically the red, yellow, and orange veggies like carrots, sweet potatoes, red peppers, tomatoes, acorn squash, they are packed with vitamins, fiber, and carotenoids that are good for your heart. Right. Carotenoids are what make that really beautiful color in sweet potatoes and in carrots. You know, that gorgeous orangey color. Right. And then the green veggies, spinach, kale, Swiss chard, which neither one of us cares for. It's gross. <laughs> Collard and mustard greens, bok choy. If you, their suggestion, and we got some information from the Cleveland Clinic, which is a renowned uh, health organization over in Ohio, and we'll put a link to their 12 heart healthy foods to work into your diet. 
They say to take things like kale and collard and mustard greens, bok choy, put those on your sandwiches and salads instead of lettuce, because lettuce really doesn't have much to it. No, it has some fiber, um, but it doesn't, and it depends on which lettuce they're talking about too, because some lettuces have more uh, green components than others. In other words, iceberg lettuce is not the best to eat health-wise, but some of the others are better. Okay, so here, here's what I'm thinking about. I do put spinach on my, well, in my salads, of course, but on my sandwiches. I cannot see myself eating collard or mustard greens on my sandwich. That sounds disgusting. But you could do sprouts. What about sprouts? Oh, yeah, you could do, you could do sprouts. And, in fact, sprouts and microgreens, some sites, and I don't know if it's true or not, say that they have more nutrients in them than the full-grown equivalent. Yeah, I think, and that makes sense because they're in a very small package and they haven't spread out yet. And so I think that makes a lot of sense, but I'm not sure it's exactly right. But sprouts are easy to grow. Easy, easy, easy. You and I could be growing them on our windowsill even as we speak or with a grow light. So so maybe we should talk about sprouts next week. Let's do. Let's talk about sprouts next week for our veggie. In the meantime, yeah, spinach would be great. You could do the leaves of the bok choy, not the stem. I do a lot of bok choy here, and I've grown a lot of it. Have you grown a lot of bok choy? I have grown it maybe one time. It's, it's not something that I crave or anything. You know, it's really good in stir fries. Um, it's good that way. It's like a milder yes. form of cabbage. I like it that way. Um, I, I really don't see myself eating kale on a sandwich, although I like kale. And I, I think that chard is beautiful, but I don't like to eat it. Right. But, I mean, it is a suggestion of ways to work those things into your diet. Yeah. And, and I, I want everybody to go out and try to grow some of these vegetables. But yeah. if you can't grow these vegetables, you could try to buy them at the store. Um, and add them to your diet. Yeah, but definitely try to grow them. Especially try to grow bok choy. If you like Swiss chard, grow it because it's beautiful. Bok choy is very pretty in the garden and super easy to grow. Kale, if you put here, if you put the seeds out now, you'll probably have good kale and good, all of those actually. They'll all do right. well right and now. And spinach. Spinach is really easy. I love to grow spinach. It's so easy. Not as easy here. Um, it gets hot too fast. So Ah, uh, Yes. If you're going to start spinach, start it now, and uh, good luck to you. And you can also grow it in the fall here pretty well. Right. There are some spinach varieties that are heat tolerant. Yes. And I will look that up, and I will try to put on the show notes a heat tolerant variety of spinach that you could grow uh, later in the season if you didn't get your uh, greens planted early. But In Indiana. But not in Oklahoma. In Indiana. It will bolt. But here's the thing. If it bolts, that's okay too um, because you can eat the flowers off of spinach or you can save them for your pollinators. So when your greens bolt, if you don't need that space, you can go ahead and leave them for the pollinators. You don't have to just eat the portion of the plant that we would normally eat. Dee, did you say pollinators? I did say pollinators. How do you like that transition? That's what's on the bookshelf. You want to talk about this book? Yes, the Pollinator Victory Garden was sent to me, and it's by Kim. I don't know how to pronounce your name, Kim. I think it's Earman, E-I-E-R-M-A-N. She's the founder of Echo Beneficial. This is actually a very good primer on how to help pollinators. She goes through all of the basics and a little bit of the non-basics. 
She explains how when you, for example, if you plant uh, milkweed, because that's the buzzword right now for the monarchs, if you plant that, you've got to plant it in several places. Monarchs are not interested in one milkweed plant in your garden. They just can't do it. Um, She also talks about what you need for pollinator children and what you need for the adult insects. And it's just really a good book. She explains about the decline, but she doesn't spend a tremendous amount of time on it because she's all about problem solving and how you can work them into your work them into your life and into your garden and take a little bit more of your lawn away. I'm not saying get rid of your whole lawn. It's okay if you have a little lawn, but you don't need to have a giant green space because we aren't, you know, we aren't lords and ladies here. That's all I got to say about it. It's a good book. It is a very good book, and it's it's uh, got nice pictures and illustrations of the plants she's talking about, and there's all kinds of uh, pictures of bees and other pollinators in here. I like it too. Um, she talks about hoverflies, um, which are bee mimics. She talks about moths, which I really appreciate because we love to talk about butterflies. But we don't like to talk about moths, which is one of the things I do in my talk. Um, She talks about male pollinators versus female pollinators. Because, for example, for a lot of butterflies, you need puddling areas for the males so that they can make their reproductive organs work. Um, There's, I mean, there's really some great information in here. And so I... I thought it was really good. It's a small book. Um, it's not expensive. It's a paperback, and I was pretty impressed. Good, and that is from uh, Quarry Books, which is an imprint of Quarto Books. Uh-huh. So we'll put a link. We'll put a link to that in our show notes in case anybody is interested, um, and they can purchase that. Yeah, which is great. Now onto our dirt. All right, I got another quote. Sometimes we don't have a quote for dirt, but I got one, Dee. You did, and I, it's a good one. Cares melt when you kneel in a garden. Author unknown. And that's the truth. If you're having a bad day or you're stressed, there's nothing better than going out in the garden and pulling some weeds. It's good therapy. Which brings us to an article from, uh, this came from the BBC, that hit the airwaves, I suppose, around December, and it said gardening could be the hobby that helps you live to 100. I like how they commit to things in that headline. Could be. The tr- <laughs> it made me laugh. Could be. <laughs> the truth is um, gardening does seem to help people live longer. There's a bunch of articles right now about how it helps women especially to live longer. I think it's because it helps women with stress. It helps men with stress too, so I'm not sure why Women in particular, maybe they have a lot of stress. You know, being a Gigi is hard because you're part of that sandwich generation. You're helping your daughter, right. you're helping your mother. You know, there's a lot going on. So it's a great, it's a great hobby. If you grow vegetables, you eat more vegetables. If you grow flowers, you become more in tune with the entire universe, frankly. Right. And so um, there are people that live in what they call blue zones. Yeah, that's a that great. Where yeah. Where people live commonly into their 80s, 90s and beyond. And that has been studied. Um, and there's a guy and I'm going to I think it's I think it's Dan Bettner, B-U-E-T-T-N-E-R, has studied Okinawa in Japan, Nicoya in Costa Rica, Icaria in Greece, Loma Linda in California and Sardinia in Italy. And so they found that in those zones 
they have some things in common. And one of the things in common, besides a very strong social support network, daily exercise habits, a plant-based diet, was most of these people gardened. And why did they garden, Carol? Think about these blue zones that you just mentioned. What kind of weather do they have? Very nice weather. They do have nice weather. When you first told me about this study, I was like, yeah, I'd like to live in Loma Linda. Yes, I would. Or Italy. Well, anyway. But we, I I think gardening, we garden as much as you can. We do. And mm-hmm. considering the fact that we both are definitely a four-season uh, zone, <laughs> that's what I call it, a four-season zone. You're getting ready to have snow today. So we had snow last week. So, right. you know, I well, think we do the best we can, but we got to remember to exercise in the winter, too. Right. And I always tell people that um, uh, you have to exercise in the wintertime or you'll have a girth that will not allow you to Bend over. garden in the summer because <laughs> you will be fat. The other thing is there now over in Australia, researchers followed men and women in their 60s, and they found that those who regularly garden had a 36% lower risk of dementia than their non-gardening counterparts. That's because they're trying to remember all those botanical names. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. How about because they're outside getting fresh air? And I think committing yourself to gardening is committing yourself to lifelong learning. And they say that sometimes lifelong learning and going out and learning new things all the time helps people to reduce the amount of dementia. There's studies on that. Yes, because my youngest daughter keeps telling me that I need to learn a second language. And I tell her I already do speak a second language. It's called botanical Latin. That was a joke. And she doesn't believe you? She doesn't laugh, but I think it's kind of funny. I also took French, but I do not speak French very well. Um, but I yes, took I, French. Did you take French too? I, yeah. Parlez-vous français? <laughs> Oui, je parle un peu. Anyway, we digress. The point is, if you get outside, get fresh air, grow good things, eat good things, you're going to feel a lot better. And then you will be here for your sweetheart next Valentine's Day. Right. And I'll tell you another thing. Um, I am actually reading a book called The Rabbit Effect. Yeah. Because I saw it because, you know, I'm obsessed with rabbits in my garden. <laughs> is, that, is that what it's about? <laughs> No, it isn't about that at all, D. Here's what it's about. Here's the subtitle. Live longer, happier, and healthier with the groundbreaking science of kindness. Oh, I think that's true. I just read um, The Happiness Project, and that's some of what she talked about also. If you are kind, if you try to help people, um, you're a much happier person. And I know you and I are happier because we love to help people garden. Among other things. Right. And so I'm, I haven't quite finished that book, but it, it goes beyond the kindness. And she talks about other things that ha- tend to make people healthier, like lifelong learning, for example. Exactly. So it's, that's, that's also a good book. And maybe we'll put a link to that, which is weird. We're going to relate that book to gardening as we always relate everything to gardening. Well, it's got rabbits in it. I mean, there's a rabbit. And also you could say that the diet of a rabbit would also help you live longer. Well, so there you go. Well... Do you want me to summarize why they called it the rabbit effect? I do, because I cannot figure out why. Well, they they were studying rabbits for some other reason. Okay? Oh, dear. And I okay. can't remember why. <laughs> but this one, this one scientist, her group of rabbits 
always had better health. And you know what the difference was? They were nice to him. She picked him up. She cuddled them. She pet them. She talked to them. They felt the love. The other rabbits were just rabbits in an experiment, and they didn't feel the love. No, they didn't feel the love, and we aren't going to talk anymore about rabbits and experiments because it makes me sad, even though rabbits get on my nerves because they eat my stuff. But I I kind of think they're cute, and even if they weren't cute, it kind of creeps me out. They, no rabbits were harmed in the experiment, Dee. <laughs> sure, sure they weren't. But anyway, let's let's go on. So anyway, gardening could be the hobby that helps people live to 100. There are studies and studies and more studies and anecdotal information. We believe it's true. So I'm moving to Loma Loma Linda. That's where I'm going. You are not. You're (laughs) Oklahoma born and bred. You are not leaving your roots. Okay. If I come into the lottery, I'm leaving. Oh, wait a minute. I have a grandchild, so I'm not. Okay, I'm stuck here. Anyway, I'm, I'm just kidding. I actually love Oklahoma, and you know that. We should wrap this up. We are digressing badly. All right. Well, thank you for listening to The Garden Angelist. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a review. That helps us get noticed by others. Please leave a five-star review. That's the best one. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics plus links to our own websites. It was lovely to chat with you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye.